Welcome into the Two for One Drafts podcast. Mike Renner and Austin Gill here, ready to talk some rookies and some draft prospects. Our second episode, we're excited to get going. Today's episode, we're going to be going over prospects to watch and rookies to watch in this weekend's game. And no better to start than on Friday. We got three games, yeah. very you know, some very good games. I like Washington State at Houston should be a high scoring affair. Let's start with that game. A guy I wanted to bring up, a prospect, Josh Jones, six foot seven, three hundred ten, three hundred ten pound left tackle, a monster, has earned an eighty eight point two overall grade so far this year. 85.4 pass blocking grade and and another 80 plus run blocking grade. We call that a triple 80 here mm. on the two for one drafts podcast. He's looked really good. Three star recruit coming out had an 80 plus overall grade last year. He's trending up, I would say. Yeah, this dude can move. Uh, he's been a this is fourth year starting mm-hmm. at Houston. Uh, actually has the athleticism and the size to play at the NFL level. I hadn't heard much about him coming into the season. Hadn't even really watched any of his tape heading into the season. But this is his third straight year. So I had. 80-plus pass blocking grades the last two seasons as a sophomore, as a junior. Wow. Uh, I, I, I think he's, I'm not going to say a first-round prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a mid, second, third-round type of prospect at this point with what I've seen on his tape. He is that athletic, uh, has that pass protection prowess. Uh, and once we've seen this year, that triple 80, mm-hmm. he's gotten better every single year. Uh, there's a lot to like about this guy. A uh, uh, four-year starter, like you said, mm-hmm. and he's a three-star recruit. This is yeah. a guy that came into camp like, whoa. This guy can actually mm-hmm. play, and I think that's it's going to be exciting to see him. A lot of you know Utah. I mean, not Utah. Houston throws the ball a ton. He's going to get a lot of those pass blocking yes. sets. It'll be nice to watch him again. At Washington State, other side of the ball, a guy I really like. He's Sop Winston Jr., Washington State wide receiver, six foot two, hundred ninety two pounds. This kid's got some juice. JUCO transfer from San Francisco's City College. I watched him last year against press coverage. You know, sorted down in the filters to watch the film. Press coverage looks very good at the line of scrimmage. Has some nice releases in that Mike Leach scheme. You're going to get a ton of production. I, I kind of threw that out the window. Let's see this kid on film, and he looks he looks like he has something there. And to see him already earning an eighty four point five receiving grade so far, I'm going to go back to the tape on him and watch him some more. The one thing I love about Mike Leach offense, mm-hmm. or just you know, some of these past happy offenses, is you get to actually practice. It is actually more practice uh, than you're getting at a school uh, where maybe they aren't throwing the ball around the yard. Maybe you're blocking half the time, and those reps actually matter. You get better. There's so much development that does happen in college. If you're passing the ball 700 times a year and getting targeted 100, 120, 130, mm-hmm. that practice is invaluable, I think, when translating to the next level. Absolutely. Going to Boston College versus Kansas. You know, this this is a funny name to bring up. I bring up, I bring up A.J. Dillon, the running back for Boston College. Mm-hmm. Six foot, 250 pounds. I was like, you know what? Great idea for a new segment. We go beer belly segment because this kid's got to be fat. Six foot, 250, there's no way. And you brought that up, and I was like... I don't think he's actually fat. Like this guy runs a four four. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like he's probably pretty yoked. So then I type in prospect prospect name shirtless for the sixth time this week. No, <laughs> AJ Dillon shirtless. This guy is jacked. Up. Yeah, absolutely jacked. He's not. You know, cancel the Bill Bradley segment. AJ <laughs> Dillon's a legit. You know, stacked 250 pounds. Yes. He's earned a 78.0 over a uh, rushing grade in 2017, 72.5 in 2018. Has started to look good this year. He's averaged 0.2 force missed tackles per carry every year of his career. And now you look at he's averaging under three yards after contact per attempt this year. You'd like to see him bring that up. But with him, he he, he needs to improve as a receiver. I think if he's going to be a legit prospect in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think the two biggest things with him are one, his receiving ability. Uh, is, is just not up to snuff at the point, has not been utilized at, in a receiving role whatsoever. And two, he just can't make the sort of cuts you want to see uh, from the running back position. He's just so rounded in his cuts. He's rounded. You know, explosive. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The, his cuts are rounded uh, in terms of just he gets out, he's going one way, you know, getting out in the outside zone type of play. He can't make that quick one cut, get upfield. It's a rounded. He just doesn't have that sort of explosiveness. Uh, 
left or right. He has explosives in a straight line. And at the running back position today, today's NFL, it's not going to do you much good. Mm -hmm. Going to UNC versus Wake Forest, kind of a breakout name, under, under the radar name against two teams that maybe not a ton of you know draft scouts are watching just because not a ton of prospect value here. But Carlos Basham Jr. of Wake Forest, a redshirt junior, six foot five, two hundred seventy five pounds, and when you pop on the tape, this guy's got some legit speed. He yes. looks pretty quick for his size. You know, he played basketball at the high school level, played tight end at the high school level, and you kind of see that athleticism with him. With him, eighty eight point four pass rush grade so far this year, twelve pressures, absolutely brutalized. Utah State. Now he's going against UNC, Power 5 competition. This guy has a good game on Friday when no one else is watching anything. Could start to break out a little I was going to say, this is my prospect. If you're going to watch any prospect on Friday, and I watched Carlos Basham Jr. had 52 pressures last year, but rushed the passer 406 times. Wow. So he was basically out there every single snap for that Wake Forest defense. Uh, but this year, has sort of his efficiency is taken to the next level, and he is explosive. Like I said, 6'4", 6'5", 275, and actually pops off the line of scrimmage. When I first saw him, I thought maybe he was in the 250 range because that's how he moved. That's how explosive he was. Already 12 pressures. Uh, and if he does it against real tackles here, I, I say real tackles, I mean UNC tackles aren't necessarily great draft They're prospects, real, but like They're real comparatively real. to Rice and Utah State. So I do think this would be a good matchup uh, for him to basically get a barometer of where he really is as a prospect. Again, best thing about pass, you know, PFF grades here, you see his 88.4 pass rush grade, 12 pressures, over 50 pressures last year. Let's pop on the tape. You instantly throw up the tape. You see a six foot five, 275 pound guy looking athletic and quick out of his breaks. Instantly, yeah. he's got to start looking at this guy a little bit more. Excited to watch him Friday night. Now, prospects to watch overall on the weekend. A lot of good games this weekend. What's you, you on tap? You know, what's on tap? The new, the new segment, yeah. <laughs> What's on Tap, uh, playing on that two for one drafts. And with this one, you know, there's still some cupcake matchups. I think we start with offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas. Tristan Wirfs, Travis Bruffy of Texas Tech, Scott France of Kansas State. All of these guys highly graded in PFF. Wait, you did not right just put Andrew Thomas in the cupcake matchups. He's in you? the cupcake matchups. Uh, Arkansas no. State? Okay, you're just William Bradley King from Arkansas State. Get to know this name. Mm -hmm. Edge defender there. 91.3 pass, pass rushing grade last season on 319 snaps. So limited sample size, but do got after it. Already an 85.5 pass rushing grade this season. Is playing more. Already 60 pass rushing snaps this year. Quick. Has a handful of pass rushing moves. If he goes against Andrew Thomas, they go one-on-one. -on -one, so he splits sides. You know, He'll go left side and right side. So it's not going to be every snap against Andrew Thomas. But on the ones they do... Watch out for this guy. I, I think this will be one of his toughest matchups you'll face all year. The dude actually has some quicks, actually has some moves. That's what you want to see from Andrew Thomas because in that Georgia offense, does not get challenged to pass protection. And, and they just run so much and do so much play action and so much have a tight end on his side that he's not getting the same, what we like to call true pass blocking sets that a lot of other tackles in this class are. And I think to me, that's very worry somewhere projecting the next level because you want to see it, it goes back to what I even talked about earlier in the Washington State thing you want to see a guy have the reps you you want to see him do the pa pass block at a high level over a large sample size to feel comfortable about it doing it on a small sample size you're just not project you just don't have that comfort in the projectability of that sample size bringing up True pass sets, you got to bring up Andre Dillard. I yes, mean, this is guy, the, yeah. it's a perfect example with Washington State had a ton of true pass sets, mm -hmm. looked great doing them, had a very high pass blocking grade here at PFF, and already looked like, you know, in yes. the preseason, one of the best pass protecting offensive tackles in the NFL. Yeah. So uh, the last year in the draft class, uh, Andre Dillard had by far the most true pass blocking sets of any of the tackles, something like five times over the course of his career, that of Juwan Taylor. And, and you can watch them both on tape and watch them say, oh, you know, Taylor looks good in pass, but they both look good in pass, bro. One guy's look good for five, you know, four years of 
of it on 800 plus pass blocking snaps. One guy's done it for a hundred. That to me is a huge sort of just, like I said, the sample size, we go to our analytics team all the time. Large, the more sample size you can get, the bigger sample size you can get, the more you can see something done, the better you feel about it being repeatable being projectable to the next level. 100%. I brought up Scott France. I know that's a guy you like. Kansas State, he's got a cupcake matchup. I know they're going against Mississippi State. Mississippi State doesn't have a good, a, a lot of talent at yes. edge rush. I think Scott France still dominates that matchup. Though. And But the thing is, he's another one who... So the true pass set numbers from this already this year, he only has seven true pass sets, Scott really? France, this season. Andrew Thomas has 20. Tristan Wirfs, another guy in that Iowa offense that gets protected, he has 24. And then you go to the guys that you feel better about. Samuel Cosme at Texas has already 51 true pass blocking sets. When you see a guy do it and grade highly on those 51 pass blocking sets, all of a sudden you feel a lot better about his projection to the next level. So those numbers, uh, to me, are worrisome when they're on the low end. You have to be lights out if you're on the low end. So that's why Thomas, if he goes lights out against William Bradley King, hey, maybe we'll... Maybe we'll buy in a little more. I'm already pretty bought in, though. He's been very, very good on his limited sample. You overlooked my guy, Bruffy. Bruffy (sighs) out of Texas Tech. All-name team. 41 true pass sets so far. He's Mm -hmm. got a great run-blocking grade and pass-blocking grade. Watched a little bit of his film. film. He's bodying guys on some down blocks at left tackle for Texas State. He's a name to watch for me, largely because I love that name, Bruffy. Mm -hmm. I'm all in on Bruffy, for sure. (laughs) So we'll see how he goes. Cupcake matchup for Texas Tech. All the offensive tackles, really, except for William Bradley King, yes. Ron Hing Bingham 2.0. Okay, don't, don't on, put that on him. Ron Hing Bingham was like 220 pounds, uh, the Arkansas State edge defender mm-hmm. from last year, and only had a spin move. This is a little different. 248 okay. pounds has a spin move also, but oh. another move as well. So Great. Uh, n- another guy, you know, Power 5 competition coming up for Kylan Hill, Mississippi State. He's yes. you know, forced a ton of missed tackles so far, a lot of which against Southern Miss. He's the highest graded uh, running back in college football right now, according to PFF's grades. He's going against Kansas State. I know, I, I know they're not a great defense, mm-hmm. but at least it's Power 5 competition. And you said it on our last podcast. He was a breakout candidate this time last year because yes. he's doing it against cupcakes. Going against Kansas State. He well, it wasn't to, cupcakes. It was yeah. we just through the first two weeks. He was mm-hmm. dominating. And yeah. it was the Kansas State game last year that was his breakout game. 17 carries, 211 really? yards, broke nine tackles on those 17 carries, but then just never reproduced it mm-hmm. after that. And so he's been through two weeks, and now he has the Kansas State game. Can make he or break. Yeah, exactly. Can he continue that high level of play? I mean, because you game. watch that Southern Miss game, and the guy is on fire. He looks unblo- mm-hmm. untackleable yeah. at times. I think if you see that against Kansas State, and he can maintain some level of that efficiency from a force miss tackle perspective moving forward, he's a name you're talking about maybe at the top of the fifth round. You know, top of the fourth round for a running yeah, back. Yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah the day, Top of the day three is you're a good if, running back. If, if you're you thinking you can make you in the first, fourth round. If you're looking at us for like round valuations of running backs, mm-hmm. like it's don't even look at it like they're not going to be near whether a guy's actual go in the NFL because we said Josh Jacobs last year uh our number one running back went as the first running back and we would have taken him two rounds later is yeah. when we would have even started considering him so that's just couched in that sort of uh light mm-hmm. let's go to our Florida edge defenders Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Greenard have both earned crazy grades to start the season they've gone against some absolute cupcakes to start the year yes. again Miami offensive line is one of the worst in, in the power five I would say mm-hmm. they dominated there dominated this past week they're going against Kentucky <laughs> Kentucky's offensive tackles aren't great but they're a lot better than what they've seen I think at least better this, this is at least a test yeah. you know this will mm-hmm. at least be you know can Jabari Zuniga and Greenard have the similarly dominant games against Kentucky because if they do I think now you start mm-hmm. to talk about them with a little bit more you know legitimacy yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing is just you go back to last year 
Jabari Zuniga, top two graded games. Colorado State, mm. the lowest graded pass blocking team in the country. <laughs> Florida State, just a terrible offensive line. So this highest two graded games last year as a pass rusher were against the two worst, basically, offensive lines he was facing. And now when you face a real line like Kentucky last year, one pressure in that game against Kentucky on 19 pass rushing snaps, 54.5 pass rushing grade. Can he change it? You know, can, can, is, has he made that next leap? Has he actually gotten over that hump of when he faces someone who's actually well coached, who can actually get off the line of scrimmage and handle his speed and he can't just run in a straight line at the quarterback? Can he all of a sudden, uh, you know, make some moves on that offensive lineman and still win? That's the biggest thing. So that, I think that's a very intriguing matchup. It's not going to be his best matchup, best tackle he faces all year, but I do think just from a coaching perspective, it's going to be a challenge for him and a big hurdle that you'd like to see. Speaking of guys that, you know, edge defenders specifically that have won by just running in a straight line so far this year, Chase Young, largely because he's been going against some. Well, you know, that's, I mean, it's not yes mm-hmm. and no. He still uses his hands well. Still uses it's, his it's, hands yeah. well, but he doesn't need yeah, to. He's he been going against to. some bad offensive tackles. He goes against Indiana, Coy Cronk, and Caleb Jones. Should see his share of both of them. Mm-hmm. They're not great in pass protection, but they at least will challenge him, in my opinion. I think he'll have to use his hands more to win at a high rate like he has in the first two weeks. We not we not here Tuesday. I said I'm not going to watch any more Chase Young this year. I'm really? Done. He's done. You, you, I, he's, you already like that, him. The, just, the eval's over. He's going to be. If you need an edge defender at the top of the draft, you draft him. All you needed was that picture of him next to J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> you know, the De- Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis picture. Like, wow, I need this guy. No, but I mean, I've seen enough. I, I saw a sophomore tape. As long as he doesn't get hurt, and as long as you know, at the end of the year, he doesn't have like a 50.0 pass rushing grade. Mm-hmm. I think I'm be fine with drafting him. Uh, wherever I need to draft him. Well, I'm still watching him, Mike. Uh, I'm still going to have a good time watching him take down Kronk and Caleb Jones. So, um, uh, Oklahoma's Canadian-born Neville Neville Gallimore, a Canadian guy Mm -hmm. who we talked about on the first first podcast, going against UCLA. They have some solid guards there. I think this could be a matchup for him. A a test, again, another test. He's gone against some easy competition to start. I think this would be a test for Gallimore to see if he can improve and and stay with that high pass rush grade. Yeah, I think a lot of the guys who have beaten up on cupcakes to mm-hmm. you know keep reusing that term early on the season once they go up against at least someone who's a better coached offensive line and better coached team now actually that's uh debatable in ucla's case at this point <laughs> but i do think that he's at least going up against uh better competition than houston south dakota which he beat up the first two weeks of the season so uh and he was another guy who i mentioned being freak athlete and you can get by on freak athleticism against terrible ta- terrible offensive linemen can you do it against someone who actually has technique that'll be uh, a good matchup to watch. Another good litmus test for a guy like that. In that same game, C.D. Lamb potentially could be going against Darnay Holmes, a oh, corner we, we loved right. a lot going into this year. He hasn't played yet. Didn't mm. didn't play against San Diego State this past week. Didn't play in UCLA's first game. If Darnay Holmes suits up and we get to see just a little taste, just give me a taste of Darnay Holmes for C.D. Lamb. It'll be finally a good matchup for Lamb to see what he mm. can do against a solid, athletic, former five-star corner in Darnay Holmes. Mm. And it's going to be a great welcome back to college football for Darnay Holmes to see if he can shut down Lamb. Yeah, I, I, this is, to me, so the Oklahoma game last year is what put me on Darnay Holmes in the very first place. Against Marquise Brown. Had the ridiculous pick against Marquise Brown. Had another pass breakup against Marquise Brown down the field. Was running stride for stride with him all game. If you can run stride for stride with Marquise Brown, you're probably going to run the 4 threes. Minka Fitzpatrick he's, can't run stride for stride yeah, exactly. with Marquise Brown. Minka Fitzpatrick can't come within five yards of Marquise Brown, apparently. But So he's going to run the 4 threes. Uh, he got sauced against... Dylan Mitchell last year in the Oregon love the game. Word, I love Holmes. the verb sauced, by the way. It, it, it works so many ways. It was bad. That game was bad for him. C.D. Lamb is a, you know, basically Dylan Mitchell on steroids. Not literally on steroids, but a much better version of that in terms of route running ability, quickness, body control. He has it all. So this is, I hope, he comes back, plays in this game, because that will be huge for his eval in terms of you see him going against NFL competition. C.D. Lamb going to be playing. 
from day one in the NFL next year. Uh, it'll be good for both of them to see. So hopefully they, he comes back and plays. Uh, hopefully the ankle's not bothering him because this is a prime premier matchup. Going to Florida State versus the University of Virginia. Marvin Wilson is huge. He's a monster. <laughs> yeah. You turn you, you you watch him before the snap. You're like that guy might be the biggest guy on the field, biggest guy I've ever seen. And the fact that he's so you know so still a good pass rusher. I think mm-hmm. you expect him not be as athletic and as quick as he is as a pass rusher. He dominated in the first two weeks. He's going against U- University of Virginia, which doesn't have great interior offensive line. I wouldn't call it a cupcake I put in here. It's a muffin, maybe like a brand muffin. <laughs> not super easy, but something you'll put down for breakfast. Yeah. I think if he has a big game here, Marvin Wilson, again, starts to kind of solidify himself as one of the top interior pass rushers in this class. Yes, I agree. And also could be exterior because he, he got out he played outside uh, the tackle. It's probably like six, got the six or eight snaps. I, I think it, it was uh, here. It is. It is five snaps in that first game, first week of the season. They would kick him out wide. Uh, you love seeing that. Always love to see a three hundred, you know, twenty pounder like get Carlos outside and rush. The, and you beat the tackle on a couple of those. So uh, I, I don't think this game's huge for Zeval. I just want to watch more of him. He's been so much fun to watch this year. Has uh, making made such a leap from a season ago. I thought. Uh, he's not the most explosive of these defensive tackle prospects, but he's slowly moved up our board. Uh, I think he was the fifth defensive tackle on it going into the season. He's hopped Raquan Davis easily. He's now in, he's getting in the conversation for defensive tackle one after Derek Brown has come out the first couple of weeks and only has one pressure. I, I yeah. mean, there's not a lot of good pass rushers in college football on the interior. The guys that get after it, the guys that are racking up, you know, four or five pressures a game is rare. That's just not a lot of guys, 310 pounders that can move and consistently get after the pass. or have good pass rushing moves. Marvin Wilson, very much one of them and only a true junior at this point. And, and that's what we search for, for interior defensive linemen. Can you rush the passer? Yes. You know, Raekwon Davis, Javon Kinlaw, you know, we need to make sure these guys can pass rush before we start to, you know, consider them as legitimate prospects. Yes. Going to staying in the ACC, Alton Robinson and Syracuse going against Clemson. Clemson has some very good offensive tackles. Trayman, Trayman Ancrum and Jackson Carmen have both earned solid pass blocking grades to start. This is an opportunity for Alton Robinson, who earned pretty good pass rush grades last year, has an 82.7 pass rush grade so far this year. Yes. He, he can make some plays here. If he, if he does well against Clemson, I think he, again, starts to enter that conversation for one of the top edge defenders in this class. No, yeah, I, I like Alton Robinson's game. Power player. Uh, already has 10 pressures on the season, a bull rusher. And that'll be good because Ankrum lives up to what his name almost sounds like. He has a strong anchor. anchor. He's, a, he's, a, he's a thick boy. Love that word. Uh, he, could, he could be featured in our beer relay segment someday. Uh, but he's only 6'2 and plays tackle, plays at a high level, has started there for a couple years now for Clemson. And it's big for Ankrum, too, because he holds up well against a guy like Elton Robinson, who's going to be a day one or day two pick uh, come next season. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a guard at the next level. You're not going to hold up a tackle at 6'2". But if he holds up against that, I think it, you feel safer about your projection to guard. So it's a big matchup for both of them. And I want to tell a little story about Jackson Carmen because he's from Cincinnati. Went to Fairfield here. Five-star recruit. He's committed to Ohio State at one point. But back three years ago, whatever, his senior year at Fairfield, for some uh, unknown crazy reason, we graded all of Cincinnati high school football. And I graded a game from him where he went up against some like five nine hundred seventy like a me pound yeah, yeah like you <laughs> playing defensive end and he had one of those blindside blocks where he literally had the guy off the ground running with him and just dumps him on the ground and I was I was like okay that's why he's a five star was a little bit like didn't give it didn't give a shit mm-hmm. at, at Fairfield because he just like could own anyone that he was going up against so he would have some just reps where you're like oh man he didn't even try mm-hmm. and he didn't have to because he was a monster. Got to Clemson. Now he's trying pretty good. That, obviously, he's only a sophomore, only second year. They're not on the radar for the 2020 draft, but 
come a few years, he's a legit prospect. And you bring up Ankrum for uh, the beer belly segment. Yes. I, I can't believe we didn't say Marvin Wilson. I just typed in Marvin Wilson shirtless. Well, we just keep <laughs> talking about Marvin Wilson. He, he'll be there someday. I, I just typed in Marvin Wilson shirtless. Couldn't find yeah. anything, but I'm sure that guy's But then you looked at belly. your phone background, and there he was. Yeah, there he was. There he was. Um, you know, staying in the, in the trenches here, Javon Kinlaw, 85.0 overall grade in 2018, has six pressures so far this year, two defensive stops. This is a guy, six foot six, 310 pounds, needs mm-hmm. to show he can be a pass rusher. I still think he needs to take maybe some steps there. They're going against Alabama, I think, right? Yep. Alabama going Alabama. against Alabama. That's a matchup to watch. No, very much a match- matchup to watch. Uh, Alabama's interior, not incredible prospects at this point. Uh, I, I don't think there's no like big names that he's necessarily going up against. But again, another offensive line that's incredibly well coached. If you're starting on the interior at Alabama, you're a, you're a good college offensive lineman. So from that perspective, it'll be big for him. Biggest things we're holding up against double teams. He's not going to be your... He plays a lot of nose tackle for them. He splits basically... Almost fifty percent of snaps come at the nose, which he is not a nose tackle. Six six, uh, you know, three hundred pounds. He is going to be playing, you know, five technique, three technique. That's where he's going to be in your defense. Uh, but I do think that just from a pass rushing perspective, this game is going to be big for him. Need to see him impact the quarterback. Need to see him get after Tua uh, because he's been good, not great. Mm-hmm. He's athletic, tall, long but not insanely productive to where you're going to really pound the table for him near the top of the draft. Great name, though. Kinlaw, Bruffy, Kinlaw. I like those a yes. lot. Uh, the name Rick, scouting? I mean, he's going up your board. Exactly. Name scouting. Absolutely. He's, he's Skyrocket. Yeah. Speaking of a guy that needs to prove himself, I don't even think he's been good, not great. He's been bad, not good. Raekwon Davis, two pressures on 46 pass rush snaps. He's going against South Carolina. That's staying in that matchup. He needs to get better. You know, Alabama defensive tackles start on this high, you know, high floor because yes. coming out of such a good program, it's got a great helmet. Love the Crimson Tide. Yep. Probably has a great recruiting background. Raquan Davis, though, needs to prove form. We need production from him if we're going to start to back this kid. And the worrisome thing is he's this exact same player that we saw when he first started getting playing time as a sophomore back in 2017. He just Thanks. the development as a pass rusher has not been there. You, you want to see this upward trajectory of a guy's career uh, throughout the course of college too, because you need, you simply need to improve once you get to the NFL. So few, you can kind of on one hand, basically every year, the guys that are ready to go into the NFL and play and be quality starters, you have to keep improving. And we haven't even seen that from him at the college level. I, I mean, his past rushing grade was 62.7, 2017, 68.5 last year, 66.3 this year. He's nearly the exact same player. Came in as an elite run defender. I mean, he has great length, knows how to use as a run defender, can you know stand up offensive linemen at will, does not sink his hips into a bull rush. There's no threat to bull rush, even though he looks like he should be able to at you know, 6'7 with 36-inch arms. He is just a freak of nature the way he looks on the football field. Doesn't have any other pass rush moves except for like a push-pull. And that's just when you don't have that on the interior, I don't care how athletic you are. It's not... You need to you need to show at the college level when you're that physically dominant. So far, he has not. New Mexico State and and uh, Duke to only have two pressures in those two games. Ugly. Thanks. Last prospect matchup to watch before we go into the rookies to watch. North Texas, Mason Fine in North Texas going against mm-hmm. a, a guy I really like out of Cal, Ashton Davis, the safety, super fast. This guy had a huge track background. Didn't play any defense in high school. Goes to mm-hmm. Cal on a track scholarship. Emails the athletic director asking if he can do a tryout. One tryout later, kid's got a jersey, and now he's one of the highest graded, you know, safe, you know, defensive backs yeah. in college football this past year. Legitimate speed, legitimate quicks. I think he's bro- broken records as a high hurdler. 
this guy's legit, and now he's going against a, a good passing offense. I know Mason Fine didn't have a good week last week against mm-hmm. SMU, but I think this is a good passing offense. Ashton Davis, a little bit of a test for him. Yeah, I, I really am looking forward to this one. Both guys, Davis made our, he was 41st on our preseason draft board. Mason Fine came in at 50th. Fine, I thought, would take a big step forward. I was really looking forward to this year for him. Uh, he had a dud last week against SMU. Did not perform whatsoever, something like a 50 uh, 5.0 or something overall grade just like came out and yeah. pooped the bed. It was just mm-hmm. was not good. But I, I think you can rebound here against a real program uh, in quotation marks, Cal, a power five program. At least. We'll give them that uh, in California where uh, Cal's coming off an upset against Washington. Yes, that's so, yeah, that. They are real this year, at least. Mm-hmm. So Ash and Ashton Davis. So he made some fine deep ball last year. Fifth most big time throws of any quarterback in the country has a cannon of an arm for a short guy. He's only five eleven. Uh, Release gets a little long. He'll drop that ball below his waist sometimes in the pocket. That's ugly. You can't have that. But outside the pocket, he's a playmaker. So Ashton Davis is going to get tested with Rico Bussey, probably four, four-ish speed, deep threat, 11 deep catches last year, was targeted 30 times deep last year. Was They pump him the ball down the field. So Ashton Davis plays over 50% of his snaps is basically a deep middle safety. He, that, that is Because his he can. Because he, yeah. Because his range from the middle of the field to the sidelines is absurd. So... Love this matchup. It might not be one that you're going to be able to actually evaluate until you see the All-22 if you're watching the TV copy. Uh, it's probably going to be a pretty boring matchup, in fact. But those handful of times where they do go deep, you're going to love. it's going to be very uh, indicative, very uh, good for Ashton Davis' eval going forward. That sums up our prospects to watch. Let's dive into some rookies. Yes. Starting with, and this is a guy we've hammered on podcasts, videos here at PFF. Marquise Brown had 147 receiving yards and two touchdowns on eight routes. If we don't, ha- we we have to keep talking about this guy. Mm-hmm. He's going against Arizona. The Cardinals gave up the third most yards when targeted in the slot or outside last week. I could see Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson having a field day against this defense, especially with uh, it's a good offensive line. They can run the football on early downs and have success. Mm-hmm. You know, they practically broke Eric Eager and George Chahuri's graphic this morning. I was looking at their graphics of uh, EPA success and all of that. Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens offense is good. Marquise Brown, hopefully, he plays. Not eight snaps, maybe 10, 15, and <laughs> yeah. we see some significant production from him. No, I think the the big matchup here is going to be him uh, against those corners and the safety. This is that secondary, DJ Swearinger, Buda Baker. Uh, I think that's a solid safety tandem. I, I think it's a little better uh, than what he saw maybe at Miami. So I, I just think that matchup and Byron Murphy, another rookie, I think is well set up to guard someone like Hollywood Brown from a shiftiness perspective, but he ran the four fives. You can't hold... Marquise Brown's jock if in terms of straight line speed. So those will be interesting matchups to watch. Just let's see a little more of Marquise Brown. Great. As good as you can possibly do on those eight snaps. Let's see 20 and see how it goes from there. Gardner Minshew going into week two as the starter for the Jacksonville yes. Jaguars. I got to preface this conversation as him as a player to watch. He's a guy who had an opportunity to interview before the draft. One of my favorite interviews of the draft class because he, you know, we started talking about Mike Leach and his relationship with him. He, you know, as expected, Mike Leach is so fun off the field. He mm-hmm. told me some great stories about Mike Leach. This guy's a super cool guy. Did not expect to start. You know, he told me, I know I'm not going to get drafted in the first round, though I think I should be in the conversation, mm-hmm. but I need to be the most prepared for when I get called on. Well, he got called on in week one, and now he's going into week two with one of the highest grades in football right now, mm-hmm. according to PFF's grades. Minshew, you know, we talked about this on the first podcast, doesn't have a great arm. Not great arm talent. I would yes. say bad arm talent. Yeah. But he throws with anticipation, is accurate with the football, doesn't make a ton of bad decisions. I, I, maybe not predicting an upset here, but I think Gardner Minshew could have some success that maybe people aren't expecting. I think 
Minshew's sort of how he performs this year and then going forward, just how he does in the NFL is going to be huge for just how we evaluate the quarterback position going forward. So for the vast majority of NFL history, arm strength has probably been, you know, it's been like 1A or 1B in terms of the most important thing for a quarterback. The game, though, has evolved so much. The game doesn't look anything like it did even a decade ago, 2008, 2009. Offenses are so different in terms of what you're expected to do at the quarterback position. Maybe you can win lead high level offenses with what was thought to be before this, you know, below the baseline of what you needed in terms of arm strength at the quarterback position. Maybe that's completely feasible with the way NFL offenses are trending. Maybe you can still do that with just a guy who's accurate, makes good decisions with the football. That's who Gardner Minshew is. So we'll definitely see uh, if that's the case going forward. And I think if he does succeed and if he is, you know, their QB of the future does turn into a franchise guy, we'll see QB evals in a much different light going forward. People will be willing to take chances on guys who maybe have new alarms but are extremely productive in college, run them at a high level, don't make bad decisions with the football. That might be where the future of the position goes. When I interviewed him, I brought up, you know, his arm talent or lack thereof and mm-hmm. what teams were saying about it. And he said in the combine interviews, a ton of teams says you have enough. We know it's not a strength of yours, but you have enough, enough. that mm-hmm. we can do something with it and we can make plays with what you bring to the table. So I think take that with a grain of a salt. A ton of teams said that and then they still won. Yeah, yeah a ton like- of teams <laughs> said that and then, you know, he did fall pretty far. Um, going to Terry McLaren, Washington, he played a ton of snaps. I think that mm-hmm. was a big takeaway for me. Played a ton of snaps for this team. I think they want to lean well, on I mean, him. Someone has to. Yes, the that's, they, they got rid true. of <laughs> Josh Dawson's no longer there. And even if he was, he'd probably be benched. Yeah. But McLaren played a ton of snaps. I think he's going to continue to see a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. He goes against a Dallas Cowboys secondary that's very good. They yeah. could be getting Byron Jones back. Jadobia Wozia has had, had a good week last week. Same with Jordan Lewis. This is a test for him. I think if he has another similar box score production in week two, I think you're going to have to start talking about this guy a little bit more. No, yeah, this is this would be a great test for him. I, this is one of the best matchups of the weekend for me because he is almost de facto their number one receiver at this point. They have Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn. The guys who get snaps. It's like eight, seventh rounder last year, Paul Richardson. Uh, absolutely never been an extremely productive wide receiver. They signed He's, from like one, He has like one spectacular catch a yeah. year. Okay. And he Give almost had that. a spectacular catch. Oh, that's catch right. Last yeah. Week, his too. foot went out of bounds. Like, yeah. wait, that, wow, that's right. But yeah, McLaurin, uh, I do think uh, he'll probably see the most targets in that offense. And he was beating single coverage, you know, this past week against the Eagles. A lot of encouraging stuff from him. So. Uh, yeah, but if he's going to do it against Byron Jones, a little different animal than what he saw uh, with the Eagles corner. So I do think very good if you can get you know off Byron Jones press, get open down the field again. Real deal. You're looking at like a guy who could be a number one receiver right off the bat if that is the case. We talk rookies to watch. I, I, I'm pulling, calling this one as murders to watch. Nick Bosa going against the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Cordy Glenn is still in concussion uh. protocol. Andre Smith and Bobby Hart will be out there. Nick Bosa just slaughtered, sauced, if we want to use one mm. of our favorite words, yeah. sauced Donovan Smith with a couple inside moves in week one. Bosa goes into week two. It's like Even go, if the ankle is bad, I don't yeah. care. Even if the ankle is still bad, going against Andre Smith and Bobby Hart, you could see an absolute destructive game. By Nick Bosa here. Yeah, Andre Smith was bad at his normal position, right tackle, and now we're making him flip sides and switch everything around. It's not going to be. Go, it's not going to go well for him. This one looks like uh, they have to have a game plan for that in terms of chips, whatnot. So get the ball out uh, quick. You go up against Adam Smith. You think that should be like you know your easy matchup? No, it's it's getting easier for him. So this one, yeah, Nick Bosa, he's getting his. He's not going to have his welcome to the NFL moment just yet. Mm-hmm. Ed Oliver tossed the guy in week one, had a great highlight against the New York Jets, threw a guard to the side. But I want to see more from him. Yeah. I want to see a little bit more pass rush production. He's going against Will Hernandez, Jalapio, and the New York Giants. 
This is an opportunity Side again, another well. test. I think that you know th- this is a it's test a for- sneaky good interior. I exactly. mean, this is, this is one of the better interiors he's going to face uh, this season. So if he's uh, you know ready to play, ready to perform at an NFL level, uh, you're going to going to see it this game. I mean, if he's looks like he's uh, legit, uh, this will be a game that really, like I said, seventy nine point five pass rushing grade last week. If you can do that again against this interior, that's uh, that's pretty special. This is a rookie that a lot of people I think forgot about because the Sunday slate kind of took over. But mm-hmm. Thursday, Darnell Savage had a pretty great debut against the Chicago Bears. Looked very quick out of his breaks, as we saw at Maryland. Mm-hmm. Looks like he can hold his own with NFL speed. He's you know him going into this week two matchup. We haven't seen him in a while. Feels like a long time since he did play on Thursday. Excited to see more of Darnell Savage. Yes, I'm very excited because he had a couple of just routes he jumped. One one still got caught, but he was right there at the catch point on underneath a little hitch route. Uh, broke up. Uh, the pass intended for, uh, I believe it was uh, Robinson mm-hmm. there in the middle of the field on a third down. Uh, now he was going up against Mr. Trubisky, which... Yeah. Uh, so I want to bring up that play, though. Darnell but, Savage cuts down on that Allen Robinson route. Yeah. Allen Robinson stops the in-cutting route mm-hmm. because he because sees the cut down. So, Trubisky yeah. still throws it anyway right into Darnell Savage's chest. Mm-hmm. Wish he catches that interception, but still, those breaks are, are game-changing in the NFL. If you can yes. break on the football like that... You, you're going to make a lot of plays. You're always going to be around the ball. And that is the player we said. We said he's just a weapon in terms of in the middle of the field, can cover so much ground so quickly that he just shuts down windows and it's happening right away. We're yep. seeing it right off the bat. He was perfect for the Green Bay defense because they are a single high team. He is mm-hmm. going to be playing in the middle of the field, whether it's in the box, uh, whether it's when he's coming up in the box, which they don't, they, they use him more in the deep role and Amos in the box, but still, I think he can shut down those windows right away. So it's encouraging that he did see that. Had the missed tackle. That's gonna, that was on his tape at Maryland, too. That's going to be a problem throughout the year, I would guess. But the plays and coverage are something that the Packers defense did not have mm-hmm. last season. And he's going against the Minnesota Vikings, who should run a ton of 12 personnel, two wide receiver sets, run the football a ton. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see... You know, a little bit maybe outside of Darnell Savage's skill set, not going against 11 personnel, see him go against tight ends, play the run. I think this is a good test for him going against the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think this will be this will be a litmus test for the Packers as well because defense looked great against Mitch Trubisky. You got a little more weapons this time. Now the offensive line for the Vikings still did not look great in terms of pass protection. Garrett Bradbury. Yeah. Oh, man. He struggled. Talk yeah. about, you know, blackout segment. We have a blackout segment on the two for one drafts podcast. Garrett Bradbury needs to forget about the game he had against Grady <laughs> Jarrett. He absolutely got mauled. He, you know, decent run. I think he had a 0.0 pass blocking grade. Yeah. They didn't throw the ball a ton, but still, like 14 mo- pass blocking snaps, zero grade. Here's the thing. It only got, it's getting harder. Oh, yeah. Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark's coming to town. That's a huge matchup to watch. Yes. I mean, Garrett Bradbury, hopefully he has a blackout and forgets about last week because he's exactly. going against another great... And, and Kenny Clark's a, maybe a better pass rushing tackle, a little bit more explosive than Grady Jarrett. Mm-hmm. That, that, this is exciting. I'm, 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 I'm just pumped. Right? Yeah. I just can't stop. That's, good match. That's a good rookie matchup, those first rounders to watch this week. Going to Deontay Johnson. This is a matchup to watch because I didn't see any of him in week one. He had a nice one-handed snag underneath, but then really... you know missed for Dante Moncrief. They just fed Dante Moncrief, mm-hmm. hoping that he'd catch one of the 10 targets they threw his way. Deontay Johnson going against Seattle. He didn't play a ton of snaps last week. Maybe he doesn't again. But after Dante Moncrief's performance, you, they, they interviewed him. He said he had to go right to bed after the game. He just wanted to forget about it. He, he had to just put it behind him. Talk about a yeah, blackout. blackout. But Deontay Johnson hopefully sees some more snaps against Seattle. Yes. Going against, I mean, it's not a great Seattle Seahawks secondary, but there's some challenges there. He needs to see more snaps, maybe pull away from what Deontay, or Dante Moncrief is taking from him. I just need to see more of this guy. Yeah, I don't think Steelers are going to overreact and all of a sudden just bench Dante Moncrief. Mm-hmm. But I do think as season wears on, they're going to find out what everyone's... Pretty much every other team that's had Dante Moncrief found out that it's just not 
super effective number two wide receiver. So I do hope Deontay Johnson gets to see more snaps. 24 this past week, a lot of that was because, well, they were just throwing the whole second half because they were down. Uh, but I, I do hope that uh, we just see more from him because he, I, I thought in the preseason, already showed that he could get off the line of scrimmage. It was as, you know, the alpha's more from a playmaking perspective with the ball in his hands than James Washington or Dante Moncrief does. And so uh, hopefully we get to see more of him. I'm not sure we will, though, just mm-hmm. yet. It's not like Pittsburgh has an embarrassment of riches at skill players right now. They're mm-hmm. desperately looking for someone outside of Juju Smith-Schuster to step up and, like, be a game changer. Yeah. I think Dante Johnson has that ability. I agree that they probably won't overreact. But when they do finally react, I think putting Deontay Johnson yeah. in there could help this offense. Mm-hmm. Last rookie to watch, and then we'll dive into our segments. Miles Sanders, he led the team in offensive snap share in week one. He's going against an Atlanta Falcons defense led by that Grady Jarrett, who absolutely wrecked Garrett Bradbury in week one. Great run defender in Jarrett. Sanders didn't get off to a great start in week one, but I think this is a guy. the rest of the Falcons defense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rest of the Falcons defense. <laughs> That's great, Jarrett. The rest is pretty rough at yeah. this point. I think, I think of... there's a chance though with Miles Sanders going against this t- defense. I think maybe getting more involved in the receiving yes. game and, and see what this guy can do. Yeah, 10 carries. 18 yards, 24 yards after contact, though. Wow. So he was getting hit by behind the line of scrimmage. There's not a lot of opportunity there for him. Uh, that's still pretty good, though. 2.4 yards after contact when you're getting hit in the backfield on most plays. That's pretty good. So I, I do think what we saw from him uh, was at least encouraging, even if the numbers themselves weren't great. So I do hope a little softer matchup. That Falcons defensive line just doesn't have enough beef. That front seven is just so slightly built. They're built to play sideline to sideline, not to be punched in the mouth. And I think in this game, Philadelphia Eagles know that offensive line there that can punch you in the mouth. So this will be a good matchup. This is a favorable matchup for Sanders, at least. Uh, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't produce here, then we can maybe hit the panic button a little mm-hmm. bit. Going to the beer belly. We mentioned some beer belly candidates. Yes, I thought A.J. Dillon possibly found out he's jacked. Mentioned Marvin Wilson. I think that's a good candidate. Here you have Michael Onwenu. Onwenu? Onwenu. Onwenu. Michigan guard. He has not allowed a pressure through two weeks. And he's been he's graded out actually better uh, in recent years than left guard Ben Bredesen, uh, who gets a lot of the hype there for the Michigan offensive line because he's you know four-year starter, which four-year starter at a blue blood program means you're a, a top prospect. That's not quite the case. Bredesen is not high on our board. Another guy like Tommy Kramer at Notre Dame, multiple-year starter, not high on our board. Uh, I think it will be proven to be sort of right on both those guys. I don't see it with them, but on way new offers a little more. Now he's 350 pounds and can't move. Moves about like you'd expect a 350 pounder to beer move. Belly. I mean, he's a beer belly, but I love his technique and pass pro. Uh, he has a deadening punch. I mean, he just murders some undersized defensive linemen. Now he was going up against uh, army, which they're all undersized. Yeah, those, those are not big DTs. You should be able to do that, but highest pass blocking grade among power five guards at the moment. Uh, encouraging start from him. He's our beer belly of the week. Nice. Now, Last segment to end the podcast called our chug segment yes. segment where we just chug down a podcast. A good one for this segment. Chug down is, a prop. Chug, 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 chug down a prospect. Walker Litter. Walk, Walker Little. Little. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Stanford offensive tackle. Goes down with an injury. His season's over. Yes. Let's talk about this guy. If he is coming out this year, what do you know about him? What's going on? Yeah, so Walker Little, true junior, uh, was a five-star, all-everything coming out of Texas. Uh, one of the top prospects in the nation. Goes to Stanford. Uh, you know, starts plays right away. 349 snaps that freshman year, 790 snaps this past season, 2018. Uh, I thought though on his tape graded out 
fairly well in pass pro. I thought on his tape early in the year, he had some hitches in his pass sets. He would put when in pass pro, you want to explode backwards out of the set. You want, you know, to explode off that front foot. He would put his, he would pull his back foot up, put it right back down so he could jump off that back foot as well. Oh, wow. You don't want that. That's a hitch that's going to get exposed. You want to, and I think that over the course of last season, you saw it less and less. And then this season, I didn't see it at all week one against Northwestern in his game. That was huge to see. Played very well in pass protection in that game. I thought he looked like a first rounder. I was borderline on him. He was still our number two tackle heading into the season. Uh, top number 20 on our draft board. But I thought he was a borderline first rounder. I didn't necessarily see it just in, in terms of that tape. I, it wasn't necessarily a first round tape, but he is. He was one of the freaks uh, coming out of high school in terms of spark testing. Mm-hmm. He had the highest spark test of any offensive lineman in his recruiting class. I he was recruited by pretty much everyone. Yes. Yeah, he was, was one of those highly was... recruited players in the country mm-hmm. when he came out. And he has ridiculously strong anchor, uh, incredibly powerful man. And there's some short yarded situations where he gets in this four point stance and he just you know, flies three three yards right off the ball because he is so explosive. Uh, but I don't love his angles in the run game. Uh, he just slips off a ton of blocks because he is just not approaching uh, them correctly. Don't won't say square on them. And all of a sudden, you know, a guy's on his side and he's losing it. So this tape that I've seen from him here, the one game against Northwestern, I don't think he's going to declare. I, I would say right now, I don't think he's going to come out just because at the NFL level, you want to see a guy have done it. At high level, you're not. He's just, not going to finish gonna, here with a ton of true pass sets. Exactly. Say that. Well, yeah, you're just not going to see. Uh, you're not going to draft a guy high in the first round just based off uh, pure potential. You want to see him dominating at the college level, and he just hasn't dominated for much more than just this past game against Northwestern. It was a pretty dominant performance, pass pro, but he hasn't done it any more than that. It was not necessarily dominant tape as a sophomore. So. That, to me, that's where I am on him. Obviously, uh, it's up to him whether he wants to declare or not. Probably will still be a first-rounder if he did. Probably more towards the back. If he comes back, He's got the pedigree. I mean, pedigree is so big. People people love that upside, how big he is, how athletic he is, the recruiting background. People go all in on this kid if he declares. But I do agree with you. Gain some experience. Get your true pass sets. In a a pro-style offense at Stanford, I think coming back makes a ton of sense. And so, yeah, Stanford used to be... Probably three or four years ago, they would be a ton of play action. You wouldn't see a guy go one on one a lot. That's changed. They passed um, you know about as much as anyone in the nation last year uh, with KJ Costello at quarterback. That was a pass happy offense. Uh, looks to be again this season, or I think they've basically changed up that philosophy. They're not that run first team that they had always been uh, in years past. So I think coming back would be the right decision for him, and he could feasibly be twenty twenty one draft top ten, top five sort of player. What an absolute chug! To yeah. finish the podcast. Chug, that went down prospect. smooth. That was nice. That yeah. was very nice. Well, this is going to do it for the two for one drafts podcast. Make sure you're tuning in twice a week. We do one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. We're going to be reviewing prospects, previewing prospects, rookies galore, ton of beer segments, maybe a beer belly here and there. But again, tune in. We definitely love, you know, love any feedback. Leave some questions on Twitter. Talk about the two for one draft podcast and we look forward to doing more.